Hey, Tracy, how's it going? Good, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. Thanks for asking. I appreciate it. Good. Are you excited for round two of assessments today? Uh, I'm not real sure. Um, I, I'll i be honest. We're doing... Which one are we doing today? Today we're doing emotional intelligence, EQI. Yeah, that's what I thought. And when I was taking the two assessments, the DISC that we talked about last week and the EQI that we're going to talk about this week, I was pretty sure with the DISC there was no wrong answers. I feel like today might be different. I feel like there might be wrong answers and I may be an awful person. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Like what I like to tell people is EQI is a flexible skill and it's something we're all growing in. So just like the disc where you're going to, where we saw, you know, where your strengths lie as far as your behavioral style, but we also saw where maybe some of your limitations and fears might be with EQI, with emotional intelligence, what we see and what we'll go over in your report is we will see where your natural strengths lie and your emotional intelligence, but we'll also see the areas that you can work to improve. Welcome to the Overly Human Podcast, where we discuss all things human in the workplace, because it's not just business, it's personal too. So the way emotional intelligence works, it's a a model, and there's five composites and three subscales, so we're going to have 15 different scores on you. And so what we're going to see are the three that rise to the top, your top three and your bottom three. And so what I like to tell people is everybody has a top three and everybody has a bottom three. So we all have areas where we kind of shine that are obvious to other people. And we all have areas where we know we can stretch ourselves or we might be limited and we just need to have our finger on the pulse of that so we can heighten our awareness. Yeah. Okay. So what I just, the layman's term, what I heard is, You may still suck, but you can get better at it. (laughs) Exactly. I don't like to use the word suck. That's your word. (laughs) Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, well, I'm I'm here representing the people who don't are professionals at this. Yeah. I love that you're representing the people. That's great. (laughs) Well, let me at first give the definition of emotional intelligence, because I'm sure some people are pretty familiar with it because it's kind of a hot topic nowadays, but others might not be familiar with it. And emotional intelligence, a lot of people call it EQ. It's not like IQ. So IQ is your ability to process information, and that's pretty much fixed in your late teens, early 20s. And, you know, we're always going for the highest score with IQ. With EQ, it's different. EQ, emotional intelligence, is your ability to recognize, understand, and manage your own emotions, as well as recognize, understand, and manage the emotions of others. Mm. So I like to think about it is. How am I coming across to other people? Am I aware of how I'm coming across? Am I aware of my own emotions? And am I able to sort of manage and address them in the moment? And also, can I recognize the emotions of the other people in the room? Am I able to read a room? Am I able to know when Sally might be upset or even if she's not saying anything, I can sense it. So it's that ability to understand and have your your ability to manage your own emotions and to um, make sure, especially in the workplace, that you're able to come across as authentic and connected as you can. But you also want to be able to see what's happening with other people and be able to recognize that. So that's really, 
in a nutshell, what emotional intelligence is. And I feel like it is the gap between a good leader and a great leader. I mean, these are sort of those kind of, you know, soft skills, for lack of a better word, the the almost more psychological skills that you need to have as a leader beyond your technical ability or your ability to run a company or to manage numbers. You need to have these skills to, to actually be able to bridge and become sort of the great leader that people really want to follow. Awesome. I mean, I, I think, you know, like you talked a lot about emotions in the room and things like that. Like one of the things that, you know, I know I've heard before and I think about a lot is like the fact that emotions are contagious too. like that whole idea of co-regulation, right? Like, you know, there's when you're in the same space with somebody like, you know, emotions can transfer from one person to the other and they can you can feel them and be affected by them. And like it sounds like some of this, you know, stuff we're going to talk about today is like even a little bit, you know, like understanding and recognizing those tendencies. Yes. Yes. And and that's very true. And, you know, some people, you can probably think of people in your mind, especially people you've worked for in the past, where you can say, wow, you know, that person really understood where I was coming from or really, you know, got me or really was able to kind of catch themselves in a moment when they were about to get super angry. And then I watched them kind of dial back and admired that. And so it's, you know, there's a famous quote where it says, um, people will forget what you said, they might even forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And I think that's very true. As I look across the last 25 years of my career, I can remember the leaders or the colleagues or the people um, in my life through how they made me feel, not so much remembering their exact words or what they did as a leader, but really how they made me feel. And those things stick with us forever. And that's why emotional intelligence is such a powerful skill. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, it's one of those things that I think about a lot is, you know, like somebody else's, how I made them feel is, is I have influence over it, but it's ultimately their feeling. It's not something that I can control but understanding who they are and as much as I can about them can allow me to interact with them in such a way where they felt heard and understood, even if we don't necessarily agree at the end. Exactly. Yeah. And so then the other half is how they handle it. Right. And so that's the other side of emotional intelligence is also how can we handle the emotions that come our way or the stress that comes our way, or the problems that we have to solve, especially in a crisis at work, how do we handle that? And so part of emotional intelligence is, are we somebody who flies off the handle? Are we somebody who slams doors at work? Or are we somebody who retreat, becomes silent, cocoon, really don't want to engage anybody? Um, These are the ways that we're sort of processing our inward emotions. So there's that balance of the others, and then there's the balance of our own inner workings. Yeah. Interesting. Like if you were to add, and I've not looked at my results for any of this yet, if you were to ask me how I respond to things, like the word that I like to think about is unreasonably reasonable. Like, (laughs) you know, try not to become upset, try not to let my emotions run away with things, but try to stay logical. And even when most people would become upset and slam doors, just trying to approach it from a very reasonable, like, okay, so, you know, this is what you're saying. Is mm-hmm. my understanding this correct? Like, this is how you feel and this is what you're saying. 
okay, let's just unpack that. Um, I'll be curious to see what the results are. So let's let's dive into them. Yeah, let's look. Okay. So I'm going to, you know, the listener can't see this, but I'm going to show Rob what his results are. Um, and looking at the model here, here are the five um, composites, which are self-perception, how you perceive yourself, self-expression, how you express yourself, your interpersonal skills, so your ability to have, you know, your empathy, your interpersonal relationships, then your decision-making, you know, that problem-solving, reality testing, which is just being a, your ability to be objective even when you're emotional, um, impulse control, stress management, your ability to be flexible, how you handle stress, your optimism. And so here is, you know, that's the model. And then here are your results. So I'm going to show you, let me get to the whole list so you can see that first before we look at your top three and bottom three. Okay. But this report, which is a pretty lengthy report and has a lot of information in it, and we, we don't have a lot of time on the podcast, so we're going to just, you know, top line it. Yeah. But you can see that you're going to have a score on every one of the composites and subscales. So what's important to remember, again, is what I said at the beginning. With IQ, you're probably going for the highest score. With EQ, we're looking for balance. So we're not always going for the highest score. And I'll use the first subscale on this list, which is self-regard, as an example. So self-regard, we want to have a healthy self-regard, which is a healthy self-confidence. It's really hard for people to follow a, a boss or a manager who doesn't have confidence, right? Mm -hmm. But we also don't want you to have the highest score because then you'd be a narcissist. <laughs> and it's really, really hard to work for a narcissist, right? Um, so we want that balance. We, and you have a really good self-regard score. You fall into the leadership scale that we want to see you in, but you're not off the charts. So what this says to me as a coach is I can see that you respect yourself, you have confidence in what you can do, but you're not off the charts, arrogant narcissist who doesn't care about anybody else's opinion but your own. And so that's where we, when we talk about balance. And you can see in some of these um, scores that you're falling within what we call the gold bar, where we want to see you as a leader, and some are a little bit lower. And how you read this, you have a, a scale from about 65 to 135, 100 is the norm. So okay. if you have a subscale where you scored over 100, that just means you're using that skill more than the norm. If you have lower than 100, it means you're using that skill less than the norm. So as you can see, most all of your scores fall at 100 or above, and you have a few below 100. So overall, you have really, really good scores, Yeah, which is good. Yeah. So just Yay. like I said before, everybody has a high three and everybody has a low three. And what I like to, to say here, too, is kind of think of it as your top three are sort of those strengths, that those skills that you, if each subscale is a muscle, these are the muscles that you've worked into to really strong muscles. Yeah. And the low three subscales are just areas that usually what we see is just with heightened self-awareness, you're able to see the scores go up. So it's just that ability to see like, oh, yeah, that is true. That's the way I kind of view things that, uh, that help your your scores go up. So here in your high three subscales, your high three are problem solving as your highest, stress tolerance, and self-regard. Do you find those surprising or would you say, yeah, that makes sense to me? No, that's that's pretty much what I would have expected. Um, you know, problem solving, that's, you know, something that has always come pretty natural to me and I really do enjoy. Um, stress tolerance is something that I've learned. Um, 
doing the job that I do. It's almost a requirement. Um, otherwise, you'll drive yourself batty. Um, and self-regard, like that won't surprise anyone who knows me. Um, you know, I made a comment the other day, something, um, you know, completely off subject to my business partner, Ben, and his response was, what the world could only accomplish if they had your confidence. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. And and this is a great combo because this shows me as a coach that you're a leader that's probably easy to trust and easy to follow in especially in a time of crisis or a time when you're tackling a big project or a big problem. I would imagine people would think your name would pop to mind pretty easily when they're saying, who do we need to go to talk to about this? Because what it shows us, what your scores show us is that your ability to problem solve, what an emotional intelligence score says is not actually the skill of problem solving. It's your ability to to problem solve even in emotional situations. Mm. So even when the stress is high, when things are flying around, when the project deadline's right in front of your face, you're able to stay calm and stable and be able to solve the problem. Some people freeze when their crises or stress is high and they're not able to really go through analytically, go through that problem and be able to solve that problem. And whereas a normal day where there's not much going on, they might be able to just, you know, very easily solve a problem. But what we are looking here is, you know, can you do it in an emotional stressful situation? So these first two go hand in hand, the problem solving, the stress tolerance really shows that you're a leader that when emotions are high or there's a crisis, you're kind of unflappable according to this report. And you will, you'll have that confidence, which also comes through probably in your optimism is this ability to say, we're going to go for it. We're going to do it. I I have a plan. I have an idea. It's all going to be okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Like just remembering back, we do, but we do peer reviews and a whole bunch of those things on a regular basis at Sparkbox. And one of the pieces of peer review that I got, oh, it's been a couple of years ago, but really stuck with me is one of my um, direct reports, you know, and it said to me is like, I feel like you're better at giving bad news than good news. You feel mm-hmm. like you're more comfortable doing that. And, you know, I, I thought about that and it stuck with me a little bit. And it's one of those that I've really tried to practice getting better at giving good news. Mm. Um. Because, you know, like, it's great that people trust me to give them bad news and all of that. But, you know, that was an interesting moment for me. Like, and I think that, you know, when I think about these two in particular, especially the stress tolerance, um, there was a time when I worked worked a job where I traveled all the time um, on the road 70% of the time. And I would be dropped into a new client situation every single week. And, you know, didn't know any of the names, just dropped into a a company that never met me and I was there to solve some problem. And I made the decision. I spent two years practicing being the most comfortable person in the room. Mm. And I decided that if you could be the most comfortable person in the room, you could win. And that was a skill you could develop because everybody's nervous. Everybody's stressed. Everybody responds differently. But all you had to do was be the most comfortable, most confident person and things would work out. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's a great, it kind of reminds me of, um, is it Amy Cuddy? I don't know if you ever watched her TED Talk, the sort of like taking the stance 
and taking that position and really getting your psychology right. And it sounds like that's what you did to be able to have that kind of executive presence in the moment. And you're right. You're right to be able to recognize that everybody could be slightly uncomfortable or slightly nervous or, and to say, okay, how am I going to stabilize the situation? How can I be a person that's going to be confident and self-assured in a high pressure situation, you know, sort of that steadfastness and um, to be, be able to be decisive. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, like you can relate that pretty well to a lot of the people that do what we do on the technical space, you know, mm-hmm. work on projects for clients is, you know, and I tell the team this all the time is like, we have a higher responsibility than our clients do because where they may do one or two projects ever in their career, we do dozens and dozens and dozens of them a year. They're coming to us because we are the experts. Let's act like it. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So let's look at your lows three and Uh-oh. see how they feel to you. <laughs> so I'm buckled up here. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Um, so low three, social responsibility, which in this is, this is kind of that social consciousness. Um, some of the questions that fall in that, in the report that you answered were things around, you know, contributing to your community or social issues or your preference to help people or making a difference in society. So that's that score. Um, empathy, you're slightly less empathetic than most and emotional expression. So emotional expression is, you know, how, how much we give of how we're really feeling in the moment. Yeah. So there's, just on the surface, how does this feel to you? There's no surprises there. Okay. Um, I, I've, I've worked really hard on two of those, you know, empathy and social responsibility. Um, empathy doesn't come natural. Uh, I would, I would love to have a comparison where I was 10 years ago compared to that score because I know how much work has gone into even getting slightly <laughs> below average. <laughs> um, you know, what's the hardest re- thing for you with that? Uh, or has been? Oh, mm-hmm. I, I think it goes, I think we can go back to some of the things with even the disc profile we talked about last week is mm-hmm. the way I'm wired is I want to win. And like, I, the my natural instinct is I want people com- as committed as I am to all the things. And that what I've learned is that natural instinct to win at not no cost, but to win, have, have that be a priority of winning um, and wanting people to be as invested or committed as I am is a recipe for not really seeing where they're coming from and what they're struggling with Mm -hmm. um, by itself. Um, So this is something that I've had to take a step back on a lot of cases and say like, Hey, just because you don't perceive them chasing and pursuing the things like you think they should, or you would does not mean they're doing it incorrectly. And so that's been a lot of work on figuring that out and not being like, no, no, no. I, you know, just want us to run at things like, um, you know, like I had a team member years ago who flatly said to me is like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how you expect me to. And my answer at that point was, is I don't need you to know how to slay the dragon. I just want you to run in there with your sword drawn. Yep. 
that's what I want is I want the like I want you to run in and enthusiastically chase the problem. Maybe you can't figure it out the first go, but so it's it's you know adapting those things and learning that there's lots of good ways to do these things. So you know the social responsibility. That's something that, like, you know, I, I'm surrounded by some really smart people. My business partner probably, like, on probably these three scores off is off the charts. So I know that I've got a balance point on some of those. But the social responsibility thing is, you know, one that I've had to work on a lot and do a lot of education. And I'm sure that's wrapped up in, you know, my own privilege and place in this world and the fact that, you know, I've got you know, who I am and the way I was raised and all of that and trying to just do the education pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see how your high scores relate to these low scores, right? So when you were describing your struggle with empathy, you even use the words kind of problem solving and, you know, that whole going in with the, with the sword drawn, you're able to do that to run into the fire because your, your stress tolerance is really high. Like you can handle a lot of stress. So sometimes or often when I see somebody with a high stress tolerance score, I'll see a lower empathy because it's hard. Empathy is really our ability to relate, not to just recognize other people's emotions or try to put ourselves in their shoes, but to relate to that emotion. So if you have a high stress tolerance and you see somebody in the workplace kind of freaking out over something, it's really hard to relate to them. Like, yeah. why are you freaking out? Or why are you paralyzed by this? Go in and just slay the dragon, right? Because you, it's hard for you to relate to that because that's not your own personal experience, Yeah, right? That's absolutely right. And, you know, I, it's also interesting, you know, to think about this is like, I definitely have seen and, you know, have put myself, I'm comfortable putting myself in stressful situations and having tough conversations and doing that. And not that I go looking for them, but I know when they show up that I'm, I trust myself in those situations and, you know, allowing and developing that trust of others to have that same ability is something that I've had to work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And emotional expression that, you know, you talked a little bit about that before about sort of conditioning yourself to in your reactions do you have you ever heard the feedback that you're it's hard for people to guess what you're thinking or feeling yeah i have yeah and that's typically what you hear for a lower emotional expression talk a little bit about that yeah my wife often says you know i don't know if i hurt your feeling um she's using my feeling (laughs) as a single um You know, I mean, I, I, our, our relationship works because we are extremely direct and extremely honest with each other. So I don't take that as a, as a bad thing. It's true. Um, I, you know, I, I think growing up a little bit with the emotional expression stuff is, you know, like men were tough. They did, you know, they did what they had to do. They, you know, didn't have a lot of feels. They like, and I, I don't have those, I try not to instill those same things in my children or even live them out, but that's baggage that I have that's pretty deeply ingrained. Um, You know, I know that I've, this is another one where I feel like 
you know, 10, 20 years ago when I started my career, this might have been really low, like single digits almost, and this come up quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I think that the thing that I've learned about emotional expression is if you're trying to get someone to share with you and to be open with you, sometimes it takes being vulnerable to them. Yes. And while I'm not wired that way by default, you know, and that I tried to, when I answered these questions, try to put myself in, Hey, this is my natural instinct. This is what, this is what I want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I've learned some of the not tricks, but learned some of the, the, the tools to be able to talk to people and coach people effectively so that, you know, we can have that conversation and they can get what they need. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're not alone with this low emotional expression score. A lot of the leaders that I coach that are men, like I'll never forget coaching one CEO where I showed him his EQI and his lowest was emotional expression. He was like, yes. Like he was so proud of it because he was like, you're not supposed to show emotion at work. And I was like, well, you know, let's, let's pull this apart a little bit. And one of the things that I like to remind people about emotional expression is yes, nobody wants to see you throw in a chair or being crazy when it when you're in the workplace with your emotions, nobody wants you to emotionally vomit all over them, right? So if you have a super high emotional expression score, that's a problem. But if you have a low one, the problem with that is people are guessing what you're thinking or feeling. And nine times out of 10, they're going to think negatively. They're not going to think, oh, I bet Rob thinks I'm doing great because that's not our human nature. Our human nature is to apply the negative. And so words are your best friends when it comes to emotional expression. I don't want to change somebody, especially, you know, if they're an introvert or an extrovert or they're a very emotional person or not. It's really, again, this is a skill about balance. So you don't have to be Tom Cruise and jump on the couch to show how much you love somebody. But, you know, what I just want you to do is use your words, you know, and that really puts so many people at ease to say, I'm happy about this. Even if physically you're not showing that happiness. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that I've tried to get better at mm-hmm. is, you know, making sure that I'm using the words thank you when I'm feeling that or I appreciate you and those kinds of things with our team so they're not guessing. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. Yeah, it's the same with empathy. I mean, the best tools to really get better at at raising these scores is is really just asking the right questions, you know, talking to people, using your words, you know, with empathy, if you're having trouble relating to somebody, it's like, okay, you know, talk to me more about how you feel right now. Like, you know, what what's that like for you? So, you know, it's just very um, simple, you know, tweaks, as you're even talking about some of the things you've done over the years, really bridge the gap. So that's the thing I really like about this model and about emotional intelligence and should be encouraging for everybody out there because I really love this tool and I think it's such a great tool for leaders. I've learned so much off my own report and being able to stretch myself and grow, and I know many people I've coached have, is it doesn't take a lot to get better at this. A lot of it is just self-awareness. And you know, we'll put on our website some books that people can read or ways to find out how to have their own report done. Because it's so powerful, and I believe in it so much, um, it's just it's going to make you a better leader. It's going to make you a better spouse and friend and son or daughter. So this is something that can stretch over all domains of your life. So 
um, we'll put some more information on yeah. the website as well. Yeah, awesome. So just to wrap up real quick, mm-hmm. this was really helpful and this is really neat. I'm going to dig into the rest of this. Um, how in the workplace, how would you use this particular assessment? So in the workplace, typically what I do is run this type of report on the leaders. So I'm mainly coaching like the leadership team and really coaching them one-on-one to recognize where their strengths are so that they can lean into them, but not lean too far. And then where their weaknesses are, blind spots are, and talking through how that might show up and how you can have some strategies for action. The other cool tool that um, comes with this report is you can run group reports. So you can see as a whole how your entire leadership team or how your entire agency falls. So as a team, what are our high three and what are our low threes? And that's so fun to facilitate. It's just, it's really cool for a team to see, oh my gosh, we all are low on this. So that explains why we keep doing this. Um, And then we can learn as a team, you know, how we're coming across, especially as a leadership team, how we might be coming across to the rest of the agency. Um, We also do 360s with this too. So, Mm. and that's really eye-opening too. So you can kind of see how other people see where your strengths and and weaknesses are. Um, So there's so many different things you can do with this tool, but really I feel like just one debrief, you get so much out of just that complete awareness um, and in this report, as you go through it, you'll see there's tons of strategies on each page, each subscale that give you strategies for action on how to grow your strength and exercise your strength um, in each subscale, which is super cool, too. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, Tracy. I appreciate you walking us through this today. And I'm going to dig into this. And I'm sure I'll have some more questions offline. <laughs> well, thank you. I, again, I just feel like it's great that you put yourself out there and you're like, let's just see what the the score show and tell the world. Like, I, I just think that that's amazing and fun. And thank you for being vulnerable and willing to go down this journey with us. Yeah. Trying to have some empathy and emotional expression. <laughs> that's so true. You did well. Yeah. But it's probably mostly my self-regard that allows me to do this. So <laughs> I knew you would survive. Exactly. Yeah. He'll, he'll come out the other side just fine. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Tracy. Thank you. This podcast would not be possible without the amazing communications team at Sparkbox. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and tell your friends to listen as well. The Overly Human podcast is brought to you by Navigate the Journey and Sparkbox. For more information on this podcast or to get in touch with Tracy or Rob, go to overlyhuman.com. Thanks for listening.